Hear me, Lord, my plea is just. Listen to my cry, hear my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. Let my vindication, my justification come from you, my God. May your eyes see what is right. Though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and test me, you will find that I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed. Though people try to bribe me, I have kept myself on the ways of the violent through what your lips have commanded. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not stumbled. I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love. You who save by your right hand, those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eyes. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Heavenly Father, may we stay and be kept as the apple of your eye, O God. May we hide under the shadow, in the shadow of your wings. Father, we need you right now. More than yesterday, more than last week, we are desperately in need of your touch, O God. Every day we need you. Each and every single moment, each breath that we take is a breath that is drawing closer to our eternal home in heaven with you. So God, I pray in this temporary home, this place called earth, I pray, God, that we would be faithful in our respective journeys, in the places where you have called us to be. I pray, God, we'll be faithful and that we be kept as the apple of your eye, O God. We look to you, Lord. We choose today to worship you. We choose today not to be sidetracked by our emotions and the distractions that is going within our minds. We cast aside every distraction and we choose to look and to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I pray, God, right now as you transition out to the message, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For, Lord, you are our rock and our Redeemer, the one who holds us and who guides us. We need you more today, more than yesterday. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray, amen and amen. Okay, let's all take our seat at this time. Happy Sunday morning. Let's continue on with our service by transitioning now to our message. We are continuing on in our authentic Christian Christianity series, and the title of today's message is called, Be the Apple of God's Eye. Be the Apple of God's Eye. Start off with the question, what made David so great? What made David so special in God's eyes? What made him the apple of God's eye? Let's begin with Acts chapter 13, verse 21 to 22. It says, then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin who ruled 40 years. It's talking about Saul here. Paul the writer is talking about Saul. Verse 22, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And the key part of this chapter A man after my own heart. A man after my own heart. Acts chapter 13, 21 to 22. Now let's go to our next passage. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13 to 14. So easy to memorize. Acts 13 and 1 Samuel 13. It says this, You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now, your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. The key part here is the Lord has sought out who? 
a man after his own heart. That is why David is known as a man after God's own heart. He was the apple of God's eye. So there are four ways that God speaks to us in our lives. Four ways. Through his word, through the Holy Spirit's conviction, through godly counsel, and through circumstances. Again, through his word, through the Holy Spirit's conviction, meaning through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, through godly counsel, meaning through the counsel of others, through godly people that will speak into your life, and through circumstances. And with that, which leads to our point number one, David inquired of the Lord with all his heart. Again, the question, what made David so great? What made David so special in God's eyes? Number one, David inquired of the Lord with all his heart, with all his being. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 1 through 6. We're continuing on with our story of 1 Samuel. And the title says, David saves Caleb. Starting with verse 1, it says this, When David was told, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Kayla and are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, Go attack the Philistines and save Kayla. But David's men said to him, Here in Judah we are afraid. How much more then if we go to Kayla against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Kayla, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Kayla, fought the Philistines, and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Kayla. Now Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, had brought the effort down with him when he fled to David at Kayla. Amen. So we see here that David inquired of the Lord. Before he did anything, he inquired of the Lord. This is a stark contrast, a difference between Saul. Saul, he would go and he would act, and then he would inquire, maybe if he wants to, only if he's rebuked by Samuel. But David, before he does anything, he inquires of the Lord. In life, whatever we do, whatever we do, whatever decisions we make, we must be patient and we must inquire of the Lord. We must, we must inquire God. We must ask God. God, is this the right thing? Is this the right step to take? David looked up to the Lord for direction and guidance. But in contrast, unlike Saul, he was head taller than everyone else. So he's so used to looking down on people. And he's used to looking down and never looking up to God. David, he always looked up to God and he inquired to God what he must do, which steps he must take. Saul, on the other hand, always looked down and he never looked up to God. But David, on the other hand, he looked up to God. When? Did you look up to God? So point A, during hard times. So point B, before making any rash decisions. So point C, by waiting patiently for God's timing. During hard times, before making any rash decisions, by waiting patiently for God's timing. Keep in mind, he didn't inquire of the Lord after the fact, after what he did. He wasn't asking God to undo what he did, but before he acted, he inquired of the Lord. During hard times, before making any rash decisions, but waiting patiently for God's timing. So again, the question, what made David so special? What made him be the apple of God's eye? David inquired of the Lord with all his heart. Amen. Point number two, David loved the Lord with all his heart. 
He loved God with all of his being. Matthew 22, 34 to 40 says this, the greatest commandment, we've talked about this passage in the past in our previous messages, even in our Bible studies, and it says this, it says, hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Again, the question, what made David so great? David not only loved the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength, but he did the second greatest commandment, which is what? To love his neighbor, to love your neighbor as yourself, meaning David loved his fellow brothers and sisters and those who fought and walked with him in battle. Keep in mind, the men who are with him is 600 numbers and strong. And the people... These people are rejected. They're the outcasts. They're the ones who have ran away from Saul. And they are the ones who are fighting alongside David. And David, he loved each and every single individual that he encounters. It's very clear the scripture says it's not just about loving God, but it's about loving your neighbor as yourself. You love God, you love your neighbor as yourself. Luke 10, 27 says this, he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, it says. David won the hearts of his people, of his peers. He had the respect of his peers. His peers loved him. David was loyal to the core, and that was who he was. And his men and his people, they were loyal to him in return. There's a story later when we go on and reading, and David, he is the king, he is a mighty warrior, and in 1 Chronicles 11, for your reference, verse 70 to 19, and in that story, it says David, during battle, he longed for water, he was thirsty, right, and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So three... And we're going to talk about later in the future, the three mighty men, the three warriors. It says the three, the loyal men, they broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. And what happened after they brought the water? It says David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. God forbid that I should, I should drink this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? Because they risked their lives to bring it back, David would not drink it. This is the kind of man that he was. He would not go and drink the water because his men have taken the risk to get water for him. Because they loved them and because David loved the men, he went ahead and he poured the water to the Lord. I guess the logical thing would be to share, but he just went. Imagine Ronnie, Ronnie loves water, he's so thirsty. And he's but again, the men, they were loyal to him. You know, they loved him. And David loved his men and the people that served alongside him. Meaning his men trusted David with all that they had. And David also. Have you ever experienced this kind of loyalty and love from your fellow friends or from your fellow peers or just in church general? Have you ever experienced this kind of love and this kind of loyalty? I remember one time in youth group, I was a youth group teacher. We had a revival, uh, a praise evening, and it ended, and it was pouring rain. It was down this hill, and we all ran. I had my glasses put right here in my pocket. Ran, ran, ran. When we got back, I needed my glasses for the night to uh, drive. We went all the way down the hill, and I'm like, oh, no, my glasses is missing. I don't know where it is. I didn't even ask. The guys got out. They started looking, and it was pouring rain, like literally strong rain and soaking wet, and they tried looking for the glasses. We couldn't find it. But just the fact that they went ahead and they did that kind of act really showed me how much they loved me and how much I loved them and how much I adored the students. And I haven't felt that in a while where 
a few weeks ago we got bubble tea and I heard that you guys left bubble tea behind because we were going to mix it together. And then the ladies were like, take it, take it, but you guys said no. What was the reason, Ronnie? What was the reason, Andy? Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I was touched, though, and there were bubble teas left behind in the refrigerator. I think we drank it a couple of days later, but um, David, he was loyal to his men, and the men were loyal to David, and they loved each other, and they cared for one another. So the commandment is this. It's not just about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But it's about loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about loving your fellow brother and your sister that you are walking with, that you are doing journey, your life with together. Meaning, so point A, David loved his God. So point B, David loved his fellow neighbor. And so point C, David loved his enemy. David loved his God. David loved his fellow neighbor. And so point C, David loved his enemy. And so point C is a surprise to many of us, was a surprise to the Pharisees and Sadducees who heard this. It's like, whoa, love your enemy. It's like, why? All of a sudden, why should I love your enemy? And Jesus goes on to say about the Samaritan, who is a foe. He says, you have to love your enemy. He says, Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus takes the love to a next level. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And you'll see David doing that over and over and over again. He has opportunity to kill Saul. Two times he has the opportunity to kill Saul. And quote, unquote, he is an enemy because Saul, Saul is trying to kill David, but David, he spares his life, and twice he has the opportunity to kill Saul, but he refused to not. We must love our Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbors as ourselves, but most importantly, we must love our enemies. For anyone can love someone that is your friend. But can you truly love your fellow enemy? The story found here where David spares Saul's life is found in 1 Samuel chapter 24 and 1 Samuel chapter 26. But let's go ahead and read chapter 24 version. Verse 3 to 12, it says in the story, He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. This is what sets David apart. He has the opportunity to kill his enemy, but he chooses not to. He chooses to save his life. He says, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. These guys are like ninjas. Saul has no idea he's even in there. His men are in there. They're inside in the cave. Only their eyes are shown. And he's relieving himself, and yet they're just hiding. David, in his ninja mode, he just goes and it's just to show a sign that, look, I could have killed you, but I chose not to because you are the Lord's anointed. Verse 7, with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. That is a leader who will teach them how to love their enemy. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you. 
but I spared you, I said. I will not lay my hand on my Lord, because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. Cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. What is David saying? The Lord will avenge, the Lord will take revenge, but I will not because you are the Lord's anointed. My hands will be innocent. That's what David says. And then Saul, you would think that he would wake up and change his heart in his jealousy spirit, filled anger, a murderous spirit to kill David, but doesn't last that long. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 26 in verse 7. So David and Abishai went to the army by night. Now Abishai was one of the commanders. He is the commander, I'm sorry. He is the commander of the three mighty men that I mentioned in First Chronicles. The, the, the men who went to get the water and David refused to drink and he poured it to the Lord. Abishai went to the army by night. So him and Abishai went to the army by night and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with the spear stuck in the ground near his head. It's like chapstick that you put on the bowl, right, Andy, that you hate? Stuck to the ground, sticking up. Amner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't struck him twice. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and the guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head and let's go. So David took the spear and water jug near Saul's head, and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. No one's watching. No one noticed. Easily, they could have killed Saul, and no one would have known. But David, in his integrity, he tells his men, Abishai, to stand down, that he will die in battle. If God takes him away, then let it be so. But our hands will be clean. Our, our hands and our hearts will be innocent before the Lord. And long and behold, Saul, he dies in battle not too long after this. So David not only loved his God, but he loved his fellow, not only did he love his fellow men, but he also loved his enemy. And who was his enemy? His enemy was Saul. So how do we love our enemies? How to love our enemies? Romans 12 verse 21 makes it very clear. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with Good. This is a very easy verse to memorize. I know it's not up on the screen, but Romans 12, 21. Just flip the number, right? 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is the premise, the foundation of how to love our enemies. For example, not pay back with same evil. For example, they gossip about me. Therefore, I'm going to gossip about them. They lied about me. I'm going to lie about them. Now I will do the same as exactly as they have done to me. Payback time. Do not pay back with same evil. Show respect. That's deserving to all human beings. Show respect. Show the decency of love and respect even to our enemies. It's like that movie Troy or the story of Troy. Like the king, Priam. The fight 
is between Troy and the United Greeks. They come, they attack. It's about getting the city of Troy. And what happens? Hector dies at the hands of Achilles. Hector is the son of Priam, the king of Troy. And the Priam, in the middle of the night, he goes into his enemy's territory because he's trying to retrieve the dead body of his son. And Achilles, in the movie, he sees him, and Achilles could have easily struck him down and had ended the war. But the king pleads for favor and out of respect as warriors, please let me bring my son back to my city so that I can give him a proper burial. And Achilles allows him, and he even tells the king that we're not to attack the city, we're not going to attack for a week, seven-day period, I think, two-week period, whatever the custom was, because out of respect. And even as enemies, we can show respect to one another. So show respect. Not pay back with same evil. Show respect. And the next, not seek revenge. God will avenge for you. And the next, see with compassion. See with compassion, meaning we do our best through the filling of the Holy Spirit. We try to see them with compassion. And then lastly, importantly, most importantly, draw a line. Draw a line. Not draw a circle, like that weird book that a member was trying to introduce us to read. Draw a line. Uh, meaning we do not allow them to trample all over us and to continue to attack us over and over again. Just draw a line. Draw a line respectfully. So again, what was point number one? David inquired of the Lord with all his heart. But point number two, David loved the Lord with all his heart. And our last point, point number three, is David repented before the Lord with all his heart, with all his being. He confessed to the Lord with all his heart. What was the difference between Saul and David? The difference was so point A, Saul continued evil and grew in pride. Let that soak in. Saul continued in evil and grew in pride. So point B, David turned from evil and grew in God. He turned away from evil and grew in God. That's the difference. You become what you eat. You become what you surround yourself with. You become what you allow to enter your minds and into your heart. It's like that video game Fable where you can choose to help villagers in this game and then you have this angelic glow in your head and you become this angelic person who become a hero or you become evil. Like literally you start growing horns in this game. If you start killing villagers and you start doing evil things, stealing things, this character in this game, Fable, he starts growing horns and he becomes, his skin becomes red and like he becomes the devil, right? So again, which path are we on? What are we feeding into our soul? Saul continued evil and grew in pride. David turned away from evil and grew in God. Saul blamed others. Saul grew in evil. Saul grew in pride. David, on the other hand, he humbled himself before he was humiliated. David grew in godly conviction, and David grew in godly stature before the Lord. He grew. Now, the amazing heart of David, who sought after God's own heart, and who humbly admitted his wrongdoings. David was a special man. 
He was truly a man who was the apple of God's eye, as it says in Psalm 17, the prayer that I read earlier. What did it say? Let's just go back. Keep me as the apple of your eye. One of my favorite psalms here. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. And if you read the whole chapter, it just talks about the evil, those who plan evil, those people who try to bribe him, people who are walking in the ways of the violent. But Lord, my path, my steps have held onto your paths and I have not stumbled. My feet have not stumbled. I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love, you who save by, my, by your right hand. Those who take refuge in you from their foes, from their enemies. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. And that's what he did. David inquired of the Lord with all his being, with all his heart. David loved the Lord with all his heart, with all his being. And David confessed and repented before the Lord with all his being. That's what made him so special and set apart, so simple yet so difficult. So easy, but yet so difficult. Simple. Nothing about his physical trait. Nothing the way that the world judges us according to our IQ and our height and how strong or how successful we are or the status of where we are or where we live and our citizenship and our passport as the world judges us. How to become the apple of God's eye. Simple. It's simple. You inquire of the Lord. You love the Lord and you repent before the Lord. So simple, yet so profound. What an amazing man David was. That's what he says in Psalm 51 verse 4. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite verses in all throughout Psalms is against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? If only majority of us who are living here in America and around the world, we have the heart like David. If we take ownership, if only we would take ownership of our mistakes, of our shortcomings, not blaming others, not shifting blame, not being a victim, but having a victor's mentality. Being a victor doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean you do not fall. You will fall when you fall, but what will you do? Will you own up? Will you rise up? Will you take that path of courage and get back up and do it over and over and over again? Against you, you only have I sinned. You only, God, no one else, no one else to blame but myself and done what is evil in your sight, oh God. What made David so special? What made David so great in the eyes of God? What made him the apple of God's eye? And the question is, are you the apple of God's eye? What made him so special had nothing to do with his worldly accomplishments. It had to do with David inquired of the Lord with his heart, all his heart. David loved the Lord with all his heart. David repented before the Lord with all his heart. That's why Paul says in Acts 13, and it also says in 1 Samuel chapter 13, the scriptures that we went over earlier, it says, Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything. I want him to do.
Verse Samuel 13 says, You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established a kingdom over Israel for all time. But now, but now, but now, your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And what's amazing here, what's insightful here in these two chapters, completely different writers, Old Testament, New Testament, but we see everything is consistent with the word of God. When there is a heart that desires after God, you have obedience right next to it. When you love God, there has to be obedience, not disobedience. Not God, I want to live the way that I want to live. I will take revenge if I want to take revenge. I do what I want to do because my life belongs to me. My destiny is mine. But the heart that pursues after God, a heart that is grounded in the heart of God, right next to it, there's obedience. Obedience, obedience. That's what the scripture says. I desire obedience, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire love, 1 Corinthians 13. If there's no love, there's no obedience, then there's nothing. It's just a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. So the question that I want to ask you and I want to leave you with this is this with today's message. Do you want to be a person after God's own heart? Do you desire to be a person after God's own heart? It's not difficult. There's nothing to it. There's no formula. It's just about your heart. Your heart. Does your heart desire God? Or does it desire something else? It's simple. Number one, inquire of the Lord. No matter what you do, inquire. Inquire, inquire, meaning pray, pray, pray. Number two, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and love your enemies, and pray for your enemies. And three, repent before the Lord. As it says in Psalm 51 verse 4, where David takes ownership of his actions. Against you, you only, Lord, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Will we be wise like David? Again, David's not perfect. Not at all. But will we be wise as David was? Or foolish like Saul? Be the apple of God's eye. May God be pleased with you, for He loves you and He sees you for who you are. To be great in the kingdom of God, you must live obediently. Be obedient to Him. Submit yourself to Him. For He walks with you. For He loves you. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, may we at this time inquire of the Lord. May we love the Lord and may we take this time to repent before the Lord.
there's much that needs to be done. Each, every single day is an opportunity for us to turn back to the Lord and to run after Him. Your flesh, your nature, your sinful nature will allow you, will make you choose a different path, but you must fight against that. Every day is a fight. Every day is a battle. And you must not let your guard down. Be obedient to Him and pray to Him. Inquire of the Lord. Love the Lord right now. Love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your enemies. Love them and pray for them. And repent before the Lord right now. For our sins are too great. Our sins are piled up. May we, as David, pray, Lord, it is only you. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, O God. Let us pray together.
from here to the nations let your fragrance rest in this place as we gather to seek your face as we gather to seek your face Heavenly Father Lord let us start from here Start with us, start in this room, and may it go forth from here to the world, to the nations. May your fragrance rest not only in this place, not only in the place where we have gathered, but Lord, in the world, God, outside of these walls, in the churches that are around us, oh God. I pray, Holy Spirit. God, we pray. God, our hearts, God, are so broken with all that is happening all around the world with the nations around us who are undergoing trials and suffering and persecuted Christians especially with all that has happened especially in these last few weeks not just only in Afghanistan but all throughout the world where people are in desperate need of your touch they are in desperate need of the gospel where missions have at, at this time temporarily for a little bit has ceased because of the pandemic but Lord I pray that the people that the believers in the faith for all over the world I pray for passion and for strength and for courage for them to continue on in their fight in their fight against evil for spreading the gospel for God I pray that they will stand up and be strong in their respective places in the places where you have called them to be I pray that they'll be faithful and where you have called them to be I pray Holy Spirit you'll protect the churches all around the world I pray Lord you will come and continue to have your way within this place within our hearts within our lives oh God I pray Holy Spirit that God you continue to guide us continue to lead us strengthen us oh God so that we may draw near and to your heart and to know your heart oh God may we be the apple of God's eye oh Lord and it's simple God it's to inquire of the Lord with all of our heart soul mind and strength it's to love the Lord with all of our heart soul mind and strength and God most importantly is to repent every single day with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So God, have your way within us. We seek after you. We're desperate for you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this Sabbath day and for blessing us with this space and with the message delivered to us through Reverend Andrew this morning. Lord, just like David, we desire to be the apple of your eye by keeping your commands and pursuing after you with all our hearts. In every decision we make, we seek to look up to you first and wait patiently for your guidance and your timing rather than rely on our own strength or make any rash decisions. Through the overflow of your love and your grace within us, we yearn to extend our love for you unto others as well showing as much love, loyalty, and mercy to our fellow brothers and sisters as to our enemies. You are a just God, and we thank you for avenging on our behalf. With a humble spirit and a repentant heart, we choose to be obedient to you and to love you today and forever. At this time, we lift this offering up to you, thankful for all that you have done for us, and pray that it will be used to further your works and your glory. Please continue to watch over each of our members and protect them and their families this week. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.